0: By uh, way of show of hands, do we have any history buffs in the room this morning? History buffs? Okay, a few of you. How about? Has? Oh, yeah, that's me too, Ian. A little, so-so. How about this? Anyone ever played this game? Okay, now we're now we're talking. Did you know the Oregon Trail computer game was co-invented in 1971? by three up and coming teachers from Carleton College in Northfield, Minnesota. Over time, the game evolved and enabled elementary students of the 1980s and 90s, and after talking to John Boy, a little longer than that, even when you were growing up too, right, John? To learn all about the cost of that hope of going out west for a better life. And if You played that game, then you learned this word, dysentery, right? (laughs) The The real Oregon Trail was a 2,000-mile trek beginning in Independence, where I grew up, and expanding across the states to Oregon City, Oregon. From the late 1830s to the late 1860s, over 400,000 men women and children made the journey in hopes for that promised better life with these hopes spurring them on families sold their homes and most all their possessions they said goodbye to family and friends more than likely never to see them again the items that they did take along were precious heirlooms that they just couldn't part with that were often left on the side of that trail. The cost of the perilous journey was high. It's estimated one in 10 people died before they ever made it to Oregon. I wonder if those who did survive believed that the journey was worth the cost. That thought leads us to our scripture passage this morning. We're wrapping up a three-part sermon series, This, Not That, about some things that Jesus taught contrary to the strongly held beliefs of the day. For generations, the Jewish religious leaders had thought And taught what they fully believed were God's ways. Things they were raised to believe. Things that they taught the next generation with great fervor and passion. And then along came Jesus, who stood toe-to-toe with those passionate leaders. And he spoke with divine authority. You're missing the point. You've got it upside down. Jesus spent much of his time on earth sharing and showing that God meant this, not that. Two weeks ago, Pastor Mike kicked us off with how sideways God's people had gotten with the Sabbath to the point that real live people were suffering for the sake of keeping the letter of the law. God had set aside a day each week For rest because his people had experienced horrific oppression as slaves in Egypt who never ever got a day of rest. The Sabbath was to be a day set aside to remember that they didn't have to work non-stop under the tyranny of rulers anymore. God had set them free. God was their provider Jesus confirmed God's intentions and told the people to not withhold loving kindness from others for the sake of a tyranny of rules, but to do what they could to bring life and hope and peace to others as God's dearly loved set free children. And God is still inviting us to this life-giving Sabbath rest today. Last week, we got to join in a sing-along with Ken Howard as we continued uh, our sermon series with Jesus at a dinner table watching guests scramble for places of importance. Jesus wanted them and us to know the scramble isn't necessary. We are seen And known and deeply loved by our God loved and valued to the point that Jesus gave up his life for us on the cross our worth isn't at stake our position and importance is not something we need to strive for because it is a grace-filled given we can rest in our blood-bought places as daughters and sons of the Most High King and so humbly serve others as a living witness to the ways Jesus humbled himself. When we live in humility, our lives point others to Jesus. And so, here we are landing our this, not that, plane with one of Jesus' most difficult teachings. It's found in Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through 33. Hang on tight. It's a bumpy one. Now large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and he said to them, Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even life itself, cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not first sit down and estimate the cost? ...to see whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all will see and begin to ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to wage war against another king, will not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000. And if he cannot, while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for a term of peace. So therefore, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions. This is the word of God. For the people of God, thanks be be to God, I think. (laughs) Let us pray. Gracious and loving Father, your words overflow with wonder. And so often we are left wondering how can we even begin to understand them, to live by them. We need you. Come, Holy Spirit, breathe afresh over us now so that we can truly hear from you and know you more. We ask because of Jesus. Amen. I confess, when I read this text, I felt like this. Yeah, I feel you, no one. Hate my family, even life itself. Carry the cross. Give up all my possessions. What are you talking about, Jesus? Who can do this? Right? Before we take another step further, let us tackle the glaringly huge roadblock right in front of us, at least it is for me, the word hate. Hate. Jesus turned and said to them, Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even life itself cannot be my disciple. I remember exactly where I was when I read these words. I was rocking my son about the same age as our sweet Kylie. And I read those words, and I slammed my Bible shut, and I said, well, that settles that. I cannot be his disciple. Anyone else feeling that with me this morning? To us today, the word hate means to loathe, to feel intense disregard for something or someone, to have hostility toward another. When reading scripture, we have to keep in mind that the writers didn't pin the text in 2022 English, right? The word hate here is the Greek word maseo, which means to love or esteem less, to turn from. So we're feeling a little bit better, right? I'm with you. This is hard Keep in mind, though, that this word would have been even more offensive to the original hearers than it is for us. To them, family meant everything. It was their livelihood. Family was where you were born and where you took your final breath. If you didn't have family, you were destitute, poverty-stricken, outcast Jesus was telling them if you follow me you have to give up the safety net of tradition and the security of family provision when reading scripture context is everything we cannot simply cherry pick out a verse or a passage from the text and set it aside on its own because if we do we're in danger of of hearing that passage in our own context instead of the way that it was intended. We are encouraged to read God's word with curiosity. It's good and right to ask context questions as we read. So let's back up a little bit and ask some questions. First, who was Jesus talking to? In verse 25 says, Now large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and he turned and said to them, Okay, so we know that Jesus is talking to a large crowd of people who were following him. More than just his disciples who we usually think of coming along and walking alongside Jesus. And if we remain curious, this leads us to ask another question. Why? why were they following jesus going back to what pastor mike shared with us we'll remember that jesus was doing a lot of healing on those sabbath days and the people had witnessed signs and wonders that jesus had done marvelous miraculous healings maybe they were enamored or maybe Some followed because they wondered, could this really be the promised king who will end our oppression under Roman rule? And so this curious crowd of followers grew and grew. Let's keep the questions coming. And I'm going to ask you if you know, where was Jesus headed He was headed to Jerusalem. He had told them several times what awaited him in Jerusalem. If you flip back the pages a few chapters, Luke writes what Jesus said. The son of man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by elders, chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day raised. And here's where Jesus gives a heads up to his disciples. He said, then he said to them all, if any wish to come after me, let them deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. Those who lose their life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit them if they gain the whole world, but lose or forfeit themselves? Jesus has been telling them this all along. I'm going to be killed. If you follow me, you will be too. And now it's go time. We're three years into Jesus's ministry and the road right up ahead leads to betrayal, arrest, trial suffering and death this uninformed enamored crowd was unknowingly joining in the death march to jerusalem it is with his impending death forefront in mind that jesus turns to this star-struck groupies and says hey you're following me because you watched me do some pretty cool stuff But you don't know what you're getting yourself into. You haven't at all counted the cost of following me. Are you sure you want to join me on this road? Because if you keep walking with me, it will cost you. It will cost you your own life. And it did. Boy, Jesus sure doesn't sell discipleship, does he? (laughs) I mean, can you imagine us inviting folks to our alpha groups? Warning, following Jesus will cost you everything. Now, who's ready to sign up? Those in the 1800s were seeking a better life out west. And they had a lot of important decisions to make before they started on that trail. Like How many oxen to buy? How much food? Which supplies to pack and which can they do without? What about tools and extra wheels? They had to think through the potential perils ahead and count the costs, and they couldn't fit great-grandma's rocking chair where she rocked every family baby. They couldn't take it. Theirs was not a journey for the curious. The path of a disciple is not for the half-hearted. Though I imagine none of us here have had to count the same cost as some have in other parts of the world, there are still places today where people give up their lives because they will not renounce the name of Jesus. Jesus. At the very least, they make the decision to say yes to Jesus knowing that they will be shunned by their families. We will not likely lose our life as a cost of being a Christ follower. And we will probably not be outcast from our family. I wonder... If the cost of being a disciple for us might be a cross of another kind. And really, we've already been hearing it the past couple of weeks, right? Pastor Mike read to us about Jesus teaching the this, not that of the Sabbath. And we learned that following Jesus will cost us valuing hard and fast rules above human dignity it will cost us our comfort of strongly held beliefs that have been passed down to us so that we can turn and truly love another when Ken read us Jesus is this not that at the dinner table we heard that being a disciple of Jesus will cost us our pride and our striving for the best place for ourselves. It'll cost us letting go of serving our own wants ahead of the needs of another. This morning, we heard Jesus proclaim that walking the discipleship road with him is not a casual commitment. It will cost us. Well, everything. It is his sacrificial love for us that calls us to follow him and be set free from all the ways we try to find our identities apart from Christ. Jesus invites us to come away from all the ways we seek after security the chasing after our identity and hunting for security in relationships and in our work. Ways that keep us from fully knowing and experiencing our true security in Christ alone. And so now the table turns. And the text asks questions of us. Have we counted the cost? Can we lay all that we have and all that we are at the feet of Jesus? Have we decided to follow Jesus? Come and know He is worth the cost. Amen.